I invite you now to stand as you are able for the reading of the gospel lesson. The gospel is written in the second chapter of Matthew, beginning at the seventh verse. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you've found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them. until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, They departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw he'd been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he'd ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. This Sunday, we remember the visit of the Magi to Bethlehem. The visit by the Magi is guided by a bright star on a dark night, which is an apt image. Jesus is a bright light in the midst of the darkness of the sinful world. In the season of Christmas, we share the stories of people seeking Jesus, seeking his light, At Christmas, we celebrate his birth, remembering the visit of the shepherds who sought out the newborn babe in a manger. For the shepherds, there's no star in the sky yet, but bright angels bring tidings of great joy. His birth is first announced in the dark to shepherds keeping watch over their flocks at night. It's in the velvety darkness that the glory of the Lord shines brightly around the angelic proclamation of glory to God in the highest stand on earth, peace, goodwill to men. Shepherds hear the good news of the word made flesh and then seeking him see his bright glory in a manger. 
often in art, the body of the infant Jesus, the light of the world, literally glows, illuminating the night. Last week, we looked at the next story in scripture, which happens 40 days later. Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus take a trip to Jerusalem. There they meet Simeon, who's been waiting, seeking the Messiah for a long time. Simeon believes the prophecies of old. Through the centuries of shadow and desolation, the prophets speak of the anointed one to come, the Savior. The Holy Spirit has revealed to Simeon that he will see the light of the world with his own eyes. And then time passes. And we get another story of men who seek the one whose bright star they have seen in the east. The magi, the wise men, follow a star to find him. They must have traveled at night. A star is seen in the darkness. Without the darkness, they could not have made their way to Bethlehem. And so it is in the inky shadows of an ancient Middle Eastern night. They come to the house where the Christ child lays. Their journey to see the one, the Messiah, the light of the world, means traveling through the great darkness of the world. While the story of the shepherds is in the Gospel of Luke, it's Matthew who tells us of the visit by the Magi. We should read the account carefully. Matthew 2.1 clearly tells us that the Magi come after Jesus' birth, perhaps as long as two years later, because this visit must come after the story of Simeon. We know for sure more than 40 days have passed since Jesus was born. The scripture isn't specific on how much time has passed, but there are hints. The Magi have been initially clued into the birth by a great star in the sky, which they see as the marker of a birth of a new king. These wise men, or magi, come from the east, probably as far away as Persia. Preparations, and then the trip, take a while. By the time the magi arrive, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus are still in Bethlehem, but now they're staying in a house. That's in Matthew 2.11. Following the bright star in the night, the Magi go into the house, finding Mary with Jesus, and they bow down and worship him. So often our imagining of the great moments in biblical history is a response to the art we've seen. In your mind's eye, do you imagine multiple wise men crowding into a dark and humble Bethlehem home at night. These wise men are nameless, and we're not told how many of them there are, but they bring three wildly extravagant gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Their most significant characteristic, though, is they are non-Jews. This is where Gentiles first join the seeking of and the worship of Jesus. I know you're used to seeing three magi adoring the Christ child. That's an artistic convention, which probably derives from the three gifts they bring. 
They've traditionally been shown as three different ages, young, middle-aged, and old, and also of different races. This underscores the universality of the coming of Christ. He's come for all the world. But when the Magi arrive to adore the Christ child, shadows hang in their wake. Whether the Magi numbered two, three, or 20, their visit marks the moment the story switches gears and the theme changes from glorious to ghastly. At the heart of this story, where men come seeking the light, there is darkness, weeping, pain, and grief. The world into which Jesus is born is brutal, immoral, and power-hungry, just like the world today. You see, before they come to see Jesus, the Magi have stopped by Jerusalem, blabbering to Herod about a new king and seeking directions. So the shadow of King Herod lurks behind this pretty scene. Already having proved himself a megalomaniacal serial killer, Herod does not see good news in the birth of Jesus. He sees a threat to his power. Obsessed with rumors of a rival toddler king, he orders the unthinkable. Every boy child in Bethlehem, age two and under, will be killed. Imagine the clamor, the terror, the aftermath. Innocence slaughtered. Throughout Bethlehem, the screams of violent death and mourning. How many children die that day because Herod wanted to do away with Jesus? The scripture does not say. Bethlehem was a small town not far from Jerusalem. Perhaps it was a few dozen dead babies. Their blood on the stones of narrow lanes and in the homes where they played. A few deaths in a dark and brutal world. It happens this way often. But the writer of this gospel, Matthew, wants us to remember this massacre of innocence. This is the reality that surrounds the birth of the one whom we worship, the one of whom we sing each Christmas, the child who is not slaughtered on this day. The child we're thinking of has been safely transported to Egypt as parents warned in a dream of Herod's plot. But back in Bethlehem, uncounted other helpless children are dead. Embedded in the bright story of Jesus' birth is the dark and senseless death of babes. We weep and we shudder at the blackness of this world, then and now. But comfort has come in a babe-sized light. Have you ever noticed that the star of Bethlehem is so often drawn in a way that we're reminded of the cross? The light comes into the world with a purpose. 
At Christmas time, we smile, pondering the tender moments of Mary at the manger. But that time will pass, and it will eventually turn to a moment of torment when Jesus is tortured and shamed on the cross. Mary is so close to the agony and flow of blood that she can hear his words. He says to the beloved John, Behold your mother. And we do. In our minds we behold her. We're transported across the millennia to witness the darkness and pain. We see into the scripture as Jesus' mother's soul is pierced, as her son's side is pierced. And Mary weeps because the child she treasured hangs lifeless on a cross. But all things are being made new in this death. For in her son death, the thing that we too weep over is overcome. Death is overcome. This is the hope and the comfort we seek. To know there is true light in the midst of misery. All the horrors that Jesus will endure are because of the brokenness and sin of this world. And let's be clear on this next point. The darkness of the world is not just something outside of ourselves that we must endure. That darkness, the stain of sin is in us too. Yet in all our unworthy brokenness, our Lord still loves us. Through his sacrificial death on the cross, Jesus pays the price for our sin. Only when we recognize how immensely black the stain of sin is, do we see the glory of the light that shines through it for us. Only when we recognize the pits of despair in the darkness do we understand the reason he came. He did not come to bring us warm fuzzies in a joyous Christmas holiday. He came to wage war on sin and death. He came to give his life that we might live. Salvation is a gift to all of us who believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior. We do nothing to deserve the forgiveness and ultimately eternal life we receive in faith. The wise men would tell us they had to come during the night, not during the day. The stars are seen in the darkness. There's a metaphor here for our lives. Think about when you've grown in faith, when you've truly sought the Lord with every inch of your being. Was it a bright sunny day when all was well and you smiled in ease? Or was it a time when shadows stalked your steps and misery shook your soul? When in pain you admitted your need for the light of Christ? Stripped bare of pretense and the illusion of self-sufficiency, only then do we notice the bright star in the dark night. Then faith may flourish and godly wisdom can grow as we seek our Lord. 
and the gifts only he can give. We survive the days of wretchedness, the days of tears and thirst, the times of grief and misery. We survive them by looking to the light of Christ. His star is our guide when we are most broken and in need of his strength. It's then that the star shines brightest. When we are shattered and on our knees, he boldly calls us to repentance. He declares that indeed we're not enough alone in the darkness. Instead, we need him. We need his light. Our Lord bears for us the murky mess of our lives, those heavy sins we regret but cannot rid ourselves of. On the cross, he makes our messes his messes. He washes our filthy feet, muddied with the grimy sin of our lives. We come to his altar today as needy, as baby birds with mouths open, here he feeds us his body and blood. In a few minutes, you'll have the opportunity to partake of the body and blood of Christ Jesus, crucified for you. His holy presence is offered to you. Receiving it, you are nourished in body and soul, in a mystical union. Come in faith to receive the holy things of God in the true body and blood of Jesus, God incarnate. Amen.